The wait is almost over. The new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up 7 and you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by 7 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So for whatever reason, if you want to bet the Jets to be up 7 in their opening in Week 1 game, you can do that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use promo code ICTPOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code ICTPOD, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember, you must be 21 or older and physically present in New York. Bonus issued as free bets, one early win token issued at opt-in, money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. If you have a gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Hey everyone, before we get into the episode with Darius Kasparitis, I wanted to take a chance to talk about the Mets because we haven't talked about them over the past couple weeks. Obviously, we had Kevin Weeks on last week. This week, we had Darius Kasparitis. So, big guests here. Uh, you know, big plans coming for, for Ice Cold Takes. Um, I might as well just say this now. I'm planning to get to interview Craig Berube, the head coach of the St. Louis Blues, of all people, next week, and uh, also Saps, the Rangers reaction guy, um, next week. So uh, anyways, we could talk a little bit about the Mets. Um, they are still maintaining a three-game lead on the Atlanta Braves, 85-48, and 48, 40 games over 500. I believe that's the first time they're 40 games over 500 since 1988 when they went to the National League Championship Series against the Dodgers, ultimately losing to them. So hopefully we have a different end result this year, change the ending. Uh, Mets are 6-4 and four in the last 10 games, but let's focus a little bit on the past couple of games. You know, the, they just played the Dodgers, right? And, you know, Dodgers are clearly the best team in baseball, well over 50 games over 500. Their magic number is in the teens to, to clinch their division, I believe. And the Mets took two or three from them. They've been on an absolute tear since the All-Star break. It's like... 45 it was like 45 and 10 uh, after they took the first game against the Mets I believe that's that was the correct statistic but um the Dodgers were on a roll and the Mets pulled out an impressive series victory over them two games of three and they won the season series four games to three against the Dodgers but the the start Jacob deGrom had was just outstanding and in game two of that series Brandon Nimmo robs a home run in the seventh inning keeps the Mets in front of the Dodgers. That was just unbelievable. Nimmo is doing incredible. I love this post-game interview with Steve Gelbs after the game. That was, you know, I, I love Nimmo. Nimmo is a great player. He hustles on every play. So it's, you know, it's kind of different from from talking about the Rangers, how, uh, the offseason. You know, we want to, I want to kind of enjoy this run. I know a lot of guys are free agents. Diaz is a free agent. Nimmo's a free agent after this year. DeGrom's probably going to opt out. But I want to focus on, you know, what's going on right now as a fan. And Nimmo, you could offer him whatever money you want in, in free agency, honestly. Like, just the, the he's priceless to me. I want to enjoy this run that we're, that he's going on, that the Mets are going on. He's a he's a key contributor. I've been saying this since since before, like, 2018. 
or 2018 was his real big year. There were those rumors of Andrew McCutcheon for Nimmo, and the Mets never pulled the trigger on that. I was never a fan of getting of that McCutcheon deal. I didn't want that. I thought Nimmo would be the you know the better guy to keep around, and it looks like he is. Yeah, because McCutcheon's older now, and he's uh, not as good as he was for as for Pittsburgh during his MVP seasons, caliber seasons, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, Nimmo has turned out to be a key piece for the Mets, and I love every aspect of him. We'll talk a little bit about Jacob Degrom. Degrom, uh, I love watching the, the man pitch. He's a perfectionist out there, striking out every single hitter. He's basically untouchable. But there's like one thing that I've noticed with him: when he gets into rhythm, when he's retiring the side through the first four innings with going perfectly, no walks, no hits just striking out everybody, weak contact, if anything. Uh, when he allows his first hit, it usually comes with like two outs, I've noticed. And it's just, you know, after that, he seems to like lose something in himself. He gets too cute. I don't know what it is. Maybe people are going to call me crazy and say, Joey, what the hell are you talking about? The Grom's the best pitcher in baseball. I know that. I know he's the best pitcher in baseball. Very clearly is. And um, it just, to me, I don't know if he takes it for granted if he takes it a little too easy on, on batters. But think back to the start, his 200th career start, first start back at City Field in a year when when he played the Braves. Literally, his, his slider was untouchable. He gives up a walk to Adrianza and then the home run to Swanson. Those came with two outs. He was two strikes away from getting out of that inning without without allowing anything. He didn't need to be perfect. He didn't need to be perfect. He wasn't going all the way. He wanted to get out of that inning, and it sucked that he wasn't able to. But just what bothers me is that, you know, he let up the, the home runs. And then the next start against the Braves, he had two outs. He lets up, I believe it was a walk or a base hit, and then a double brings in the runner, and the Braves scored. Uh, you know, it, it it bothers me. I don't know if he's, if he's trying to be too perfect. Maybe he needs to, to bear down, kind of like do what Scherzer did. Scherzer in the seventh inning against the Rockies, I believe it was Sunday, he walked, he he loaded the bases with one out, lets up a sacrifice fly, and uh, that was it. That was it. That was all the damage that, that was done. You know, he, he was able to bear, I believe actually it was, it was nobody out with the bases loaded, but, you know, Scherzer was able to come through there. And that's what I'd like to see a little bit more from DeGrom, for him to bear down, I know in his career he he pitches better when there's runners on base, uh, when the situation's tougher. He's notorious for being able to shut down situations that that require high stress um, and that elicit high stress, and he's he's the king of that. But I don't know. He tries to be too perfect sometimes, and I like to I'd like for him to, you know, just you know focus on 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 the game. Don't take it for granted. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. People could, you could call me out if you want, whatever. But uh, anyways, last thing I want to talk about, actually two more things. Uh, Edwin Diaz hit 103 on the gun. Pay the man. When he when he's a free agent in the offseason, pay the man. I heard that he might command over $100 million, but you know what? Whatever. Mets haven't had a closer like that. There hasn't been a closer like that in such a long time. $100 million. Go ahead. 103 miles per hour. Timmy Trumpets being in the building. Narco. Everything about Diaz is electric. He's come such a long way since he first came to, to New York. And I love the progress he's made. And then for some reason, the Rangers signed Jimmy Vesey. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, injury depth, uh, depth 
there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't see VZ cracking the lineup unless there's an injury. Something happens to Sammy Blay or somebody like that. He could fill in the bottom six, I guess. Don't look for him to score like 20, 30 goals. He's just going to be a replacement level player. Not a guy that needs to be starting like 60 plus games. He's only going to be, he should only be in there every now and then if if a line combination's not working out. I wouldn't read it too much into the Jimmy VZ stuff. If Gerard Glant decides to put him on the second line, uh, so be it. Uh, whatever. It, it'll it'll stuck, but you know, it happens. I guess I don't know. We saw it last year with Hunt, but I wouldn't put too much into the Rangers signing Vizi. I think that's just an injury level, an injury replacement level depth cannon fodder for for them in case something goes wrong. But uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening to my rant. Uh, we're gonna get into the Darius Kasparitis interview, but one of the point out we have a new advertiser new sponsor if you're into beef jerky go to righteousfelon.com enter promo code ocsn and you'll get 15 percent off your beef jerky uh it's incredible beef jerky i had like the og hickory it was just a regular standard brand of of, of jerky and it was so good i'm not really a big beef jerky fan but if you are i would highly recommend getting this again go to righteousfelon.com Use the promo code at checkout, OCSN, all lowercase. you get 15% off. All right, let's get into the episode. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiMeglio, and this week I'm joined by one of the toughest defensemen ever to lace up the skates in the 90s and early 2000s. He played four seasons with the Rangers and is known for starting the stick salute at center ice following home victories. I'm pleased to welcome Darius Kasparaitis. Thanks for joining me. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm good. Awesome. It's great to have, it's great to have you on. And, you know, a few weeks ago I was on Twitter, you know, just scrolling through, and I saw an, uh, an old commercial of you and Henrik Lundqvist surface. I don't know what it was. Lundqvist was talking to somebody, and all of a sudden you came in and body-checked somebody, which is characteristic of you, uh, I guess, back in your playing days. And uh, I followed by, like, with with people, they were trying to get your name trending on on Twitter, so they just kept tweeting your name over and over again. So that appreciation was there. Is that something that, you know, at any point in your career you thought would happen? You'd have, like, a lasting legacy? and have such an appreciation from fans even years after you retired? Oh, you know, I didn't uh, really, uh, when I played, I really thought about those, about those things because I just uh, play hockey and I uh, just want to have fun and, uh, you know, of course, play hard and uh, win every game possible. But, uh, you know, right now, 20 years later, every time I go to New York or, you know, Pittsburgh and I see people still uh, having my jerseys, uh, it's like, I guess I, I, I put an impact on a lot of people's, uh, you know, lives as a hockey fans. And it, it makes me, you know, feel appreciated because I didn't really realize that. Because, when you, when, you know, when you play, when you're in, in the league and you play, you don't really care much. Uh, you know, you kind of have your own bubble and you live your, you, you know, you don't want to talk to anyone most, most time. You want to just play the game and, uh, and live your own life. But, you know, when you retire, you realize, uh, you know, how important it is to, you know, be part of the fans' lives and uh, be interactive with fans. And, then, you know, then, you you know, when you get old, you appreciate things like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's interesting is that you played for 
all rival teams. So you played with the Penguins, the Islanders, and the Rangers. And, you know, to this day, all three of those teams have their rivalries. And it's interesting to see how, you know, you go to a Penguins game, people have your jersey. You go to an Islander game, people have your jersey. And if you go to a Ranger game, people have your jersey. And I think that speaks to, you know, that kind of player you were at the time. If you were on their t- a fan's team, they loved you. If you were against them, then it was like such a pain to play against you. So that style of play, how did you kind of embody that from your earlier career? Like, I don't how really did that come to being. I don't really try to, you know, have some uh, have a style. I think when I was in the growing up in Soviet Union, you know, everybody want to play finesse hockey because, you know, at that time, uh, Russian team was dominating in the international stage. You know, it was the tic-tac-toe hockey. But same time, I knew when I uh, played juniors and every time we play Canada or America, you know, it was always tough hockey. You know, you have to kind of get hit or hit somebody, you know, and we always, you know, had big battles. So uh, I think from the day one, I had this in me, you know, as a talent, I guess, playing a physical game and uh, hitting people. But I didn't realize until I came to NHL that was so easy to do in the beginning <laughs> because the ice surface, ice surface was so much smaller than international uh, ring at that time, you know. So uh, I, I just started hitting everybody. And I think Al Arbor sold that talent uh, in me and uh, it kept me, you know, playing more defensive game and uh, playing his best, best lines from other teams. So you mentioned that the ice surface was smaller in the NHL compared to Russia, where it's a lot wider. So how much of an impact did that actually have on on your your play when you came over to the United States? Oh, it was uh, much easier to play physical game. It was much faster. I think uh, the game was uh, faster in NHL because you know it was no uh, you know a lot of regroups or breakouts, and uh, you know it was a more dump and chase, and uh, that's why it was more physical. And I think that was that's why it was so much easier for me to find hits because you know I I, I, I consider myself as a good skater, and I think it was so much easier to close gaps and catch catch guys off guard. You know, good old days when you can hit somebody with the head down. <laughs> it was actually considered being talented if you find somebody with a head down and finish a check. Of course, he has to have a bug. That was you know huge talent. Now, uh, you know mo- most of the hits are not. In, it's illegal to do that most of the times. Uh, I don't know. You know, it was just a very easy transition for me. Uh, I was a 19-year-old kid coming from uh, Soviet Union and, uh, uh, you know, coming to New York and uh, putting in a lineup three days since I, I arrived. Three days later, I was playing a first, first NHL game, uh, opening uh, against New Jersey Devils. You know, I never got the chance to watch you play during your career, but my boss at the Old City Sports Network, Jesse, he shout out to them. Those guys are awesome. He's a big Flyers fan. And he's told me that, you know, it used to be such a pain to watch you play. Again, like I said, you play for the Penguins, the Islanders, and the Rangers. And they all all three of those teams, rivals with the Flyers. So you must have had a lot of games against them where uh, you know, again, like you went up against big big time players, John LeClaire, Eric Lindros, and uh, you know, you never backed down from a fight. I remember using you on NHL 07 on the PSP. I know a lot of people out there maybe listening could would probably remember using you on the, the video game consoles, but it was such a it was so fun to use you as a, as one of the skaters, one of the big open ice body checkers out there. So how did you know 
that relationship, I, I talked about Lindros, the relationship between you and Eric Lindros. I know he had called you and recruited you to the Rangers, but you had laid him out a few years prior. How did that relationship kind of develop between you two? Oh, it was no, uh, you know, Eric called me and said, it's no hard feelings, you know, it's hockey. Uh, it was my fault. I had my head down and, uh, you know, you just finished a check. It was not a dirty hit. And, uh, you know, we became good friends when we played for the Rangers, you know, and uh, it was no hard feelings. But I know playing Flyers a lot, uh, uh, especially when I played in Pittsburgh, you know, there was a interstate rivalry and uh, we hated the Flyers and uh, they hated us. And I think uh, up to this day, I think if I go to Flyers, if I ever go to a Flyers game and somebody realizes it's me, I think I will be in trouble because I think people still hate me in, uh, in Philadelphia until this day. Because I had a um, charity game a couple of years ago uh, in uh, Hershey and this guy with the Flyers jersey was screaming, uh, you know, that I, I sucked, you know, I'm a loser and things like that. I was like, dude, that was like 20 years ago. Let it go. <laughs> So I know I, people, some people still have a hard feeling uh, towards me. I was looking at a clip yesterday of an old Rangers-Flyers game. At the end of the game, the Rangers were up, you guys were up 5-1, to one, I think, and Donald Brashear went after you, and uh, you guys kind of got into it. You didn't fight him back because, I mean, it was the end of the game. What were you going to do? You know, why risk an injury? But, you know, in, in that moment, something in that moment where it's like you're about to win a game, and you're closing it out, you just, it was that like typical of you to just, you know, not get involved in anything, keep yourself healthy, don't get in the penalty box, don't do something stupid. Was that something that you usually do? Oh, no, really. You have to, uh, you know, choose your battles. Donald Bashir, Donald Bashir was a big man and uh, he's, a, he's a, you know, known as a tough, uh, you know, good fighter in the league. And I wasn't, I never considered myself as a fighter. I was more a hitter. So uh, sometimes you have to choose the battles. And, uh, uh, and I, I knew that, you know, I have no chance <laughs> being a Donald Brashear in the one-on-one fight. So uh, I guess I turtled there. <laughs> yeah, especially it was at the end of the game, though. You know? yeah, sometimes, you know, that, that was my, uh, not game plan, but I usually end up, you know, grinding other teams crazy and they want to just kill me. So that's why I usually drew a lot of penalties because people start being undisciplined and try to, you know, get into a fight with me but i would never fight back sometimes i i, I did if it was a swedish guy or finish you know <laughs> i had my better better chances beating them but uh most time i tried to you know uh, play physical and those guys you know didn't like it so they would take penalties and well i put my team on a power play but yeah at the end of the game it's uh, it's no point you know i think it was just a frustration from uh, some teammates uh from opposite bench and uh they just wanted to you know send the message i guess so uh, moving on to more time with that you spent with the Rangers, I've heard many stories of how Henrik Lundqvist, you know, was very competitive, especially during practice. You got the chance to play in front of him when he was just coming into the league as a rookie. So was he as competitive then as he was, you know, during the prime of his career? Was he yeah, I think <laughs> all the way through. Yeah, I think uh, you know uh, Henrik uh, took everything so deep to his heart. Every loss. Every you know every uh, bad game or every disappointment. I remember even uh, talking to Kevin Weeks when he just show up uh, at the league, you know. And every time he played, he would be so uh, you know. If we, if we lost, he, next day he would be so miserable. And I remember Kevin Weeks told told him, "Listen, dude, you have to relax. It's a long season. You know, you're gonna have bad games. You can't take everything so 
uh, you know, so serious back, you know, but Hendrik was a very competitive person. You know, he, he, he loved to win. He, he played, uh, you know, he played a long time for one team. And uh, that's why, you know, he's a king. And I think uh, his profit, pro professionalism, yeah, that's why he got him uh, through this a lot of, you know, games in NHL and playing and, and breaking all the records for the Rangers, you know, because he, he took every day as the last day, you know, and he prepared himself, he prepared himself for the games uh, all the time with a very serious, serious, you know, outlook. You know, he cannot talk to him, he cannot joke, you know, sometimes we just uh, joke around before the game, but not. <laughs> Did he ever? Did he ever scream at you or the other defenseman when the other team scored? No, you know I played with him a year and a little bit. Uh, you know I didn't play much, so he was still a rookie. So if he did that, I would punch him out probably. Uh, <laughs> but you know Hendrik, uh, Hendrik uh, was uh, you know he was you know maybe at the end he was screaming at, at the guys, but in the beginning he was very shy. And uh, he, you know, he, he just took he took his side of the net, and uh, he, he relied a lot on him. You know, so he didn't really say much in the beginning. I see. So at the time, you know, when he's first coming into the league, he was still com that competitive self that he was. Probably wanted extra shots during practice, but he wouldn't get on his defense. I understand. Yeah, because you know, when you uh, you as a rookie rookie goalie, you can't scream at the veterans. You know, that's uh, unacceptable. Uh, I don't think, you know, after this day, if some young guy comes in the league and uh, you have a guy who played 12 years in the league and starts screaming at him, he probably have, he wouldn't have a good time in the locker room after. Yeah, so that relate. I, I understand. You played with some, some, some key veterans on your, during your time with the Rangers. You played with Lindros. You played with Yarmir Yager. Did you spend some time with Brendan Shanahan, too? Yeah, we were on the same team uh, for a year or so. Uh, yeah, you know, Shani was a great leader. He's also one of the guys who, you know, I hate a lot during my career. Then I ended up playing on the same team. So it was fun to see him, you know, because he came from uh, the Detroit and uh, all the winnings uh, they had with the Red Wings, you know. And uh, he had a good, a good stay in, uh, in, in New York. You know, he was a great leader. He was a very lovable guy. You mentioned that, you know, you would hit him a couple of times. You'd hit Lindros more than a few times. You played against, like, Lemieux. Or you played with Lemieux, then against Lemieux, too. Uh, what was that – what are those transitions like when you go into the new locker room and you're, you're now teammates with guys that you used to throw around the ice all the time? Like, what – how did that transition kind of, like, smoothen out? Just I was it growing I, pains, or was it immediate that you guys became have a, had good relationships with each other? How did that happen? No, really, you have to prove yourself. You know, you have to kind of get into a lot. Like, like when I got traded from New York to Pittsburgh, you know, I was very nervous because you know I've used those guys during playoffs, so uh, I didn't know what to expect. But I think as uh, my my uh, my character was very uh, easygoing guy, so uh, I think I always tried to be funny and, uh, and 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 make people feel comfortable. So I think. People in the beginning maybe they didn't like me because from the past, but I think when I come to the new team and uh, I get in, in, you know, become a teammate, I think they see that I'm very, uh, you know, uh, funny guy and uh, and good guy to be around and have a lot of fun. So I think they they start loving you, you know. I've, you know, same thing. I was uh, having issues with Mark Messier, uh, you know, and when I came, uh, Adam Grace, you know, but when I came to the Rangers. I remember Messi was, uh, you know, and, and at the end of his career, and uh, you know, we became good teammates, and uh, it was no hard feelings, you know. 
it's it, it's hard you know we get traded we move around and uh sometimes you don't like the guy in the beginning but then you fall in love with him and uh, you become good friends you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I was listening to Kyle Hall of the Broadway Hat Podcast, who had had you on, I believe, last year. I was listening to that episode and you were talking about how you came to the Rangers and how they, they treated you. They took care of you when you signed in free agency. How did, how was all of that? Like, what did they do specifically that, you know, basically warmed your heart that, you know, it was important that makes them the Rangers organization stand out from other places that you've been in your career. Oh, you know, I, even when I played for the Islanders in, in the range, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, we always hated the Rangers to play against them. And I think, uh, Going to a Madison Square Garden, playing there, you know, the, the feeling you have there when you play, even uh, when you come uh, on a visiting team, you know, it was kind of, you know, uh, it was amazing. You know, I always had this little feeling that one day maybe I'm going to play for the Rangers. And when the uh, free agency became uh, available for me, I had a three, team, uh, three teams that offered me the uh, same money, uh, Rangers, uh, Boston and uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And, of course, I choose the Rangers because I, at that time I considered myself New Yorker. Because I lived on Long Island most of my uh, off seasons uh, from Pittsburgh, so I, I was very excited to be back on New York, and uh, and uh, you know I, I didn't uh, think twice uh, to to become a Ranger because you know it was kind of close to uh, to where I live and I knew the area, so uh, and uh, of course you know playing for New York Rangers, I think uh, no matter what you say, you know it's one of the top original six teams and uh, playing in New York City. At, at the world's most famous arena almost every night that's you know nothing you can nothing uh you can compare anywhere i bet islander fans really got on you for going to the rangers over you know maybe making a return possibly if they were ever in discussions with you no i you know what i i, I it's so funny islander fans uh you know they 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 still love me after this day but they told me if you never play for the racks which is the rangers <laughs> You'd be a legend in New York Islanders, you know, but because you play for the other enemy, so you kind of okay, but you're not adept, you know, at that pedestal, like, you know, uh, bossy or like, <laughs> you know, because I, I play on the side. So they still love me, but they say, you know, that was the biggest mistake in my career, joining the Rangers. <laughs> what are the iconic moments of during your time with the Rangers? In, in my opinion, is starting that stick salute. You know, what made you come up with that? I know you said it was following Merrick Malik's shootout winner yeah. in that super long shootout game against the Capitals, one of the most memorable games in NHL history, in recent memory, I'd say. That game, why that game in particular to start that? Well, because it was, uh, you know, uh, after lockout season and uh, our team was, you know, we have a lot of new players on the team. And uh, what happened, I think... Uh, it was so much, uh, you know, excitement uh, after the game, you know, even, the, you know, Marek scoring the beautiful goal. So I kind of, you know, skated to Yaramir and said, listen, let's go. Let's, uh, you know, rattle, take everybody in the middle of the ice and just raise the sticks. Because, some, you know, we do things like that in Europe. 
not specifically in the middle, but you just, you know, always uh, thank the fans for participating in the game. So, uh, you know, we did it uh, that day and people went crazy. So we decided to do every, every after, uh, after every game we win. So we, uh, you know, show appreciation to our fans. And uh, I didn't know it was going to stick, but, you know, it did. So uh, it's, it's something that happened uh, out of blue, you know, but uh, I'm glad that, you know, they still continue doing that. Yeah, so that was like an organic move from your part, then, huh? Yeah, it was not planned. It was just happened on the bench because I was uh, I was the last guy on the bench for the shootout, and uh, Marek went in front of me. I asked Tom Rennie to put me before Marek, but thank God he didn't do it. So uh, I was uh, I was chosen uh, the last one, but it, it didn't happen. So that was my celebration. <laughs> <laughs> and you know now, you know it's stuck. Like you said, it stuck the the salute to the crowd, not just with the Rangers, but every single team in the NHL has embodied that. You know, the Carolina Hurricanes now have their own spinoff where they do the storm surge and do some crazy stuff at the end. Uh, I don't even know what they do. It changes from time to time. But having that, did you ever think that would happen? Like something to that magnitude? Not really, no. I think, uh, you know, NHL was more like an old-fashioned league. So, I don't think that people... Uh, when I, uh, when I uh, implemented that after my first game, a lot of guys, especially North Americans, looked at me like I was crazy. What was weird doing, you know? And, but we, because we had a lot of Europeans, if you look at the roster, uh, uh, that team, it was a lot of people from Europe playing on our New York Rangers 2016. So a lot of guys understood what I want to do, my idea, you know. Uh, but like guys like Steve Ruchin was not really happy. It was like, what a, what a weirdo, you know. But then, you know, <laughs> it ended up working out good for everyone. But in the beginning, yeah, it, it, was, it was difficult. But it was fun now to see that a lot, you know, every time I go to a Panthers game or watch an NHL game and I see guys doing after the game, it, it makes me feel like, you know, I started it there, you know. Yeah, now everybody's, you know, kept the ball rolling. Uh, all these years after after the fact, which is probably an, a, a, an an unreal feeling. Do you still do you still lace up the skates every now and then and go play like just on your own or? Yeah, yeah, I play uh, twice uh, twice a week uh, in Miami. Uh, you know, just like lunch hockey with a bunch of uh, uh, people who love playing hockey, and uh, you know, I love I love the game. I, I love playing. It's still, I still feel very competitive, but not, you know, to the point that, you know, I have to hit somebody. Sometimes, sometimes I do that. It's still in me, but uh, it's, 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 it's fun. You know, hockey's fun. You still keep up with today's NHL? Do you watch games still? Yeah, especially playoffs. Uh, you know, I watch uh, not a lot of games. I wish I could watch. You know, I'm a, I'm a father of six kids, so sometimes it's very hard for me to, uh, you know, watch anything. But uh, if I have chance... To go watch live games, you know, sometimes I get invited to uh, go to Ranger games as alumni. I always do that, you know, sometimes I go to Islander games, uh, Pittsburgh sometimes. So it, it's fun, you know, like a little trip, like a little, little vacation from my everyday life. Uh, and, and to go. But otherwise, I watch a lot of playoffs and uh, when, I, when the games are very, you know, mean, mean a lot. And uh, I follow the Panthers because I live not far from the... You know, Florida Panthers Arena. So I, I go maybe like 10, 11 games a year uh, here. But most time I watch stuff on TV if I, I, if I can. I was going to ask you, since you sp- had spoken about the, the playoffs, I know the, the Panthers were one of the top teams 
in the regular season this year didn't go as far in the playoffs as some might have hoped. And then I was also going to talk to you about the Rangers and, you know, Jacob Truba, him being named captain. I feel like he's sort of a, a similar style of player to you. Not exactly the same, but, you know, just the, the, the presence of mind for him to just constantly go after big body checks to be a stand-up defenseman. Many claim that he's a dirty player. Well, I'll just claim that he just lays big body checks. So do you see like a little bit of yourself in him and Jacob Truba? Well, you know, it's always, I don't see like, you know, I think Truba is a tremendous uh, defenseman. And, uh, you know, that's the reason they got him from Minnesota. Uh, and uh, when they, I think when they got him, I think he was more offensive defenseman. <laughs> he became this uh, more stay-at-home defenseman and uh, playing a physical hockey, which is very rare to see now these days and that's why people don't like it because god forbid you're gonna hit somebody with a head down so they make it such a big deal but all the hits he made it was perfectly nice and uh good timing and it changed a lot of games because of that people don't understand how important hitting is i know uh, we don't want to see people getting hurt but we have to teach you know our kids <laughs> to you know play hockey with the head up you know because eventually you know somebody's gonna get hurt because if you don't teach them from the beginning you know you're gonna get hit uh, so there's no no point having hitting in the game because uh, I think that's the fun part of the game, hitting and fighting. You know, being a hockey, being a physical as it is, it's it's fun to watch. You know, if you just make uh, you know scoring and dangling and dancing around, I don't think it's gonna be fun to watch anymore. I think today's game is starting to shift towards more of a skill and speed oriented uh, kind of game, and you know, there's less like designated fighters out there and forcers are all but dried out here uh, in today's NHL. But you mentioned, you know, keeping your head up back in the days when you played, you know, it was a no, no, if you were on the ice at the same time as Scott Stevens and you were, you had your head down. If you're on the ice at the same time as you with your head down, it was a big no, no. So, you know, how do, how would you try and like teach kids nowadays to people coming up, like younger teenagers, even kids that have just already even been drafted by the by teams, how would you, you know, have them handle that pressure? If there's a guy like there are still some guys that lay big body checks like Truba, how would you kind of handle that if you were a coach? Well, because I think you have to always know where when everybody is on the ice. When you get the puck, you always have to look around. Don't don't expect you know skate without skating without getting hit. And that's why it's very important to teach kids from the beginning. You know, I, I was skating a couple of days ago with a bunch of NHL players. I don't want to mention the names. And all they do is just they always look at the puck. You know, they don't look at the body anymore. They try to get the puck from, the, you know, when you play. I know it's just, a, you know, pickup game. But still, I would never have my head down and look at the puck. I always look at the person's body, where it's going. You know, the way I can keep them. Uh, but uh, these days, a lot of players look down because... That's how they're being taught, or they're not being taught to keep their heads up, you know. So it's very important. But you know what? I'm telling you, if somebody's going to win a Stanley Cup with a lot of physical defensemen, it's going to be like, you know, New Philadelphia Flyers. They'd be like, oh, my God, you know what I'm saying? This guy's won a cup with all the stuff. Like, you know, uh, Blues did a couple of years ago. They were a very tough team. And uh, so right, right away, next year, people try to, you know, bulk up and uh, get players on, on their teams. Then they can hit and play physical game. So I think it's going to happen. You know, this year, Colorado, you know, was very uh, fancy and schmancy. But uh, 
uh, next year maybe somebody's going to win who's very uh, rugged and uh, playing physical hockey. And uh, it, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back eventually, you know, because eventually you have to pay the price to win and uh, you have to know how to make people pay the price to win, you know. I agree. I think the Rangers also may, have made some moves over the past couple of years getting guys that are more like sandpaper, like a Barclay Goodrow, Ryan Reeves, yeah. and Vinny Trotrek now too, who could play great at both ends of the ice. And another skill I think that today's NHL defensemen need to have is, is speed in, in their skating, getting out of the zone quick. If you can't make like a, if you can't get out of your zone quick, then you know you're gonna tilt the ice in your in in your direction. The other team's gonna spend a whole lot of time in there. So if you can't skate it out, then you know what's the point? You have to kind of you you can't just you can't just be like a, a huge body checker you just have to you have to yeah. be able to skate too like you said too you weren't just a big body checker you felt that you were a good skater too but listen the reason they think that way right now because nobody's getting like you don't hit, guys don't get hit so they have to skate it out but if you start hitting guys they have to play the old-fashioned hockey game you have to get the puck off the glass you know what i'm saying and go try to do a four check and I think they're still being taught that way, especially during playoffs. You know, get a puck out of the out of the zone as as fast as possible. I know we all want to see nice first pass, but sometimes it's not available. And if you want to skate it out, believe me, forwards are good skaters too. So uh, it's still, you know, the moment the forwards gonna start hitting D, so nobody's gonna start skating. Everybody's gonna start shooting puck out of the zone. Right. So I see. So when as soon as that pressure is on, and you you might not always have that option to skate skate it out or pass it to your other defenseman. Yeah, you have to move the puck as fast as possible. That's why we always had the you know breakout. You get a puck DDD and move right away. You can uh, you know take the puck and try to skate around the zone because it's it's very hard to do that. And uh, even when I play, you know, uh, I think uh, maybe we're not as talented as the players today, but you still. Had him, you know, make the first pass, and uh, the faster we make it, the better it was. What did you think of the the Rangers season this past year? I know you only watch you watched mostly when the games matter during the playoffs, but that playoff run they had was pretty incredible, was it not? Yeah, you know what? Uh, it was I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, I don't think uh, they were kind of in the shadows all year long, you know, and uh, and uh, they 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 played very good hockey. You know, uh, you know, you know that was a fun team to watch. Unfortunately, you know, they didn't beat Tampa, but uh, I think uh, the two rounds, they had a great, uh, you know, great hockey. And uh, I think uh, it gave a lot of hope uh, for this year to people, you know, to come in and uh, try to repeat that, maybe go even higher to the finals. Yeah, that's that was my next question I was going to ask you about for for this year. Now that they've made some some minor acquisitions, some minor adjustments, you know, Ryan Carpenter in the bottom six. The big one is Vinny Trocek in the for uh, ideally the second line center position. So do you think they're ready to take the next step? Maybe take it to a game seven in the Eastern Conference final, make it to the cup finals this year. Can you see that happening? It can happen because, you know, usually uh, it's two, three-year window when the team succeeds in playoffs. And I think Rangers have the window. If, if you look at the Carolina Hurricanes, the same thing. You know, they've been uh, battling in the first, second, third round uh, for the past couple of years. Same thing happened to Islanders, remember, a couple of years ago. They made it, you know, they didn't make a pass first round for like 20 years. And suddenly they, you know, when round one, round one, round two, you know. So uh, I think Rangers have the ability to su- succeed again this year. And uh, as long as they stay healthy and uh, as long as Shesterkin is playing uh, his head off as he did last year. So I think uh, they have a good chance. One last question for you. So I can't believe I haven't even mentioned this already, but 
seeing as you were a former defenseman, the Rangers have one of the, the best defensemen currently in the NHL today, Adam Fox. What about his game, you know, impresses you the most? Well, you know, it's really, a lot reminds me of Brian Leach. I think maybe Brian Leach was a better skater, but the, the calmness, you know, the, the, the confidence with the puck, I think, uh, and, and the vision of the eyes, you know, Brian Leach was like that, you know. So it's very good comparison, you know, to, to Brian Leach. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have realized until he won a Norris Trophy a couple of years ago that it was so good, you know, until I started watching after that. And, yeah, he's a great defenseman, you know. He always... Um, Every time, you know, the Rangers score or something happens, he's always involved. So I think um, it's, 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 he's great. You know, it's great to have him. Yeah, and I think, I think on him having him and then on top of all the other younger defensemen like Ryan Lindgren, the, the Rangers have another physical defenseman, Braden Schneider, Keandre Miller. It seems like a good crop of, of young defensemen that they have there. Yeah, they did was good last year. You know, I, 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 you know, the top six were uh, unbelievably good. You know, especially with the youth and uh, confidence they had, and uh, I don't think they panicked. They always played a calm game, a physical game, and I think it's uh, they're gonna mature more this year. So I think uh, Rangers have a good future. Yeah, and you, I guess I could ask you one last one last uh, Florida Panthers related question. The biggest acquisition. Um, Arguably, this offseason by any team has been Matthew Kachuk of the, the, the Florida Panthers. Uh, they, got, they had to give up Jonathan Huber, though, but what did you think of that move? Well, I think, uh, you know, Huber had an unbelievable season. Uh, he, you know, he played good. But I think uh, when playoffs came, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Jonathan disappeared, and which is a lot of players do that. You know, when, you be, when it becomes very physical, it's sometimes hard to find points. You know, and you start feeling more uh, intense. And I think Kachuk is a player like uh, they needed like that because I don't think he really cares about points. He's a very uh, pesky guy. And I think guys like that are very good for the team, uh, like Panthers, because they have a lot of skill. Uh, Kachuk is a very skilled player too, but I mean, they need somebody like that who can, you know, get dirty and uh, get the team going. And I think it's gonna, it is a great trade, you know, for both teams, I think. Calgary and, uh, and, uh, and the Panthers. I think they, they is going to have a t- tremendous season. Coming from Winnipeg to Miami, ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Hopefully he def- the first year. Definitely one of my favorite players, Matthew Kachuk. I was, I was praying that the Rangers would try and make a, make a trade for, for that kid, and uh, it didn't end up happening, unfortunately. But, I mean, he's one of those players, like you said, I guess that when the playoffs come around, he just takes it to a whole nother level, kind of like a Braden point for Tampa Bay. And then there's other players, like you mentioned, that when the playoffs start, for whatever reason, they don't do as well. Is that like sort of a mental, if you had to guess like a reason for why that might happen for a player, is that you think that's a mental side of it? Or is it just that everybody else gets better while they just stay the same? It's just a lot of expectations because, you know, guys uh, get 100 points a year per season, for example, like Hubert, you know. So expectations, playoff time comes, the fans, you know, people expect them to be exactly the same way, score goals, get assists. And uh, the game is tight, you know, it's very very hard to find goals, you know, because the teams are playing, you know, very tight hockey. So sometimes they put so much pressure on themselves, so they, they, they couldn't do anything about it, you know. So I think guys like uh, guys who are usually like uh, Brandon Point, they always play in the shadow of uh, Kucherov and uh, 
in Tampa, so he always like you know doesn't care in playoffs. He just continues playing exactly the same way as he did in the season. That's why he's very successful. And the thing, uh, I think that's what happened with the Rangers too. You know, uh, for example, but uh, 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 Panarin they didn't have a very. I don't think he had a great playoffs. He played good, but not as good as Mika Zibanejad. You know, so uh, it happens. You know, he always happens. It's always uh, new heroes uh, when playoffs starts. You know, sometimes not the star players, but the, like second third line the right line uh, forwards or you know second uh, fourth defenseman who makes the game different, you know? I guess that's why you need to have a whole team, that a well-balanced team that anybody could contribute at any time. Yeah, you know, that's why I think it's very important to have a balanced team. And, you know, and you can tell, you know, that's why Colorado was so successful because, you know, they had a very, a very good skill, but also very balanced team, you know, and, uh, and even with not a very good goaltending, they still won a cup. Right, yeah, everything else in front of them was good. The defense was solid. I'm sure you appreciated that, but that offense was stellar. Just, you know, keep keep going at your face, nonstop, forecheck, and you yeah. know, it, was, it worked. Very persistent. It was a fun team to watch, of course. Yeah. All right, well, Darius, thanks so much for doing this with me. We've run out of time. All right, uh, man, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Ice Cold Takes fans, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Hey, Rangers fans, thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.